0: Hey, everybody, welcome to Artist Soapbox. Artist Soapbox is a podcast featuring triangle area artists talking about their work, their plans, their manifestos. I am your host, Tamara Kassane. Brenda Priest is a pen and ink artist and solo entrepreneur. In this episode, she talks about her journey from a nine to fiver to freelancer to running her own successful business. During our conversation, Brenda doles out some incredibly helpful tips for budding entrepreneurs from the practical to the philosophical. She even shares her excellent elevator pitch. I was really inspired by Brenda's drive, community spirit, and intentionality, and I love that she's constantly learning. I'd love to hear your takeaways from this episode on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or email at artistsoapbox at gmail.com. Brenda Priest creates incredible hand-drawn sketches from photographs of buildings including homes, historical buildings, and collegiate landmarks. Recently she was commissioned to illustrate sports stadiums throughout the United States including Lambeau Field, Wrigley Field, Fenway Park, and dozens more. Check out her website, yourdoorandmore.com to see her work and read stories of people who received her striking drawings as wedding gifts, anniversary gifts, house closings, and more. Brenda is a 21-year resident of Holly Springs, North Carolina. Being a stay-at-home parent, she converted her freelance work to a full-fledged business. She says that all she learned came from the collaborative experience of her fellow business owners. Enjoy the episode. Hi, Brenda. Hi there. Thank you so much for being here today. Let's start by talking about the scope of your business. Would you describe the work that you are doing?
1: Yes. I am Brenda Priest. I own Your Door and More Pen and Ink Illustrations. I work from photographs. I work on top of a photograph. I sketch homes, buildings, and architecture. It's completely hand-drawn. I use drafting tools like a T-square, technical pens, rulers, and every single line that I draw represents form, texture, light, and shadow. So with these lines, I bring life to a particular structure and the landscape surrounding it, capturing the essence of what is important and the focus. Mm -hmm. So really every detail is important My sketches are completely black and white. I don't add any color. I have been asked many, many times, can you do watercolor on top? Can you color pencil this? It's not my groove. I have found a niche that really works for me, so I stay exclusively black and white. During Christmas season, or I call it Christmas in July because I don't really do any sketches in December, I will add a red bow on a wreath on the front door or on windows, and those are hand-colored, but that is the extent of my colorization of my sketches. Now, why did you do
0: this by hand as opposed to using a fancy computer software application?
1: This pen and ink drawing technique is something I learned when I was an intern between my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, I have a degree in interior design and architecture, and my summer job was working in a design office and being so junior they threw you in the drafting room kind of the bullpen where all the grunt work gets done and i was sitting next to this quote older man he was probably <laughs> in his 50s and now i'm in my 50s and but anyway i was i was 19 at the time so he was an old man we were drawing in pencil drafting these particular blueprints, and he said, why are you using pencil? You need to be inking using these technical pens. So over that summer, he taught me how to do this technique called inking or pen and inking. Mm -hmm. So it is a refillable cartridge pens. The brand I use is koh and I use a waterproof India ink, and it creates very thin lines depending on the thickness of the nib. Mm-hmm. So it's it's similar to a calligraphy pen, but it is minute. And it is one thickness per pen.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So this technique I brought back when I went to back to college. And it was just in my arsenal of skills, but I never... Really used it until I was on maternity leave. I was working for an architectural office in Cary. My husband and I had a had a child. I was headed on maternity leave, and we had a sweet young, bubbly intern that would come in. and I was feeling ninety nine months pregnant, (laughs) and the intern would come in on Monday, tired and haggard looking, and I thought. Man, she's living vivaciously. Tell me about it, Reagan. Tell me about what you're doing. And she said, well, I'm going to school full time. I bartend. And I'm doing these sketches on the side. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She said, I am 1099-ing for this woman who does the Parade of Home sketches. Oh, and I thought, wow, that's really cool. So we talked about it a little bit over lunch, and she said, "Yeah, I just, I just need to quit. She has so much work. I can't keep up with school, interning here and bartending on the weekend." And I said, "Gosh, I knew, I know how to do that. I learned how to do that in college." So I met the woman. Um, at that point, I was living in Holly Springs, and this woman lived in Fuquay Verena, which is literally like five miles from my house. So it really uh, turned out to be an amazing long-term relationship. I never went back to work. Hmm. I became a 1099 employee for her. I paid my own taxes. I literally picked the work up from her with my two kids in tow, went home, put my pajamas on, let the kids play, and I worked at the kitchen table Hmm. doing these sketches.
0: And how long did you freelance before you made the leap into starting your own business?
1: Um, I started freelancing in 99 and 2008 when the housing crunch occurred is when the work dried up for her, Mm. which meant the work dried up for me. Her husband also started working for her. He was in the construction field and it dried up. So he started working for her as well. And then my kids we're going to elementary school, preschool and elementary school. So it was an opportunity for me to figure something out. I knew I loved being mom. That was really important. It was a conscious decision that my husband Jim and I made for me to be mom. Mm-hmm. And that is what I had. That is what he had. And we didn't have a fancy minivan. We didn't move we've been in our same house for 21 years we don't do a lot of fancy vacations but I was mom mm-hmm. and that was really important so figuring out what I could do to have income to have that connection with my kids on and the, the flexibility flexibility yeah mm-hmm. year-round school that was that was a big thing we're in Way County and we had year-round school and I love the concept but I was not sure how to reenter into the workforce after being out for eight years doing this obscure hand drawing. Right. So it really was a natural evolution of, okay, I have this skill, and I didn't consider it a talent. Hmm. I felt it a skill. And it took me, I think, at least 10 years to say it's a talent. Mm. That's kind of a personal evolution that I went through.
0: Well, I just would like to interject here and say that I've seen your drawings, and absolutely, it is a wonderful talent that you have. They're beautiful. And also skill, because you mentioned that you learned how to do this technically, but I don't know many people who could do the kind of work that you do, so... I think we all have to walk our own path and accepting our artistry and that is an evolution over the course of our lives but I'm glad that you that you got there. But it is a leap, right? Because so working for somebody else in an office and then becoming a freelancer, those are two ste- distinct steps in a career path. But making the leap from being a freelancer to being your own boss and all of the complicated financial administrative even psychological uh, burden that can come with that, Yes, that's, that's a big jump. Can you talk a little bit about how you got there?
1: Yeah. Um, in business, it is called what is your why? Hmm. W-H-Y. And my why I was doing this was my family. I wanted to maintain that mom presence. I wanted an income. Um, I wanted something that was completely my own. I wasn't working for somebody. Again, the the year-round school issues. Um, I became a mompreneur. (laughs) And that is a term that is out there. You can Google it, mompreneur. It is working your business around the lifestyle of your family. And with this business, I have Five years ago, I basically shut down the business because I had my mother-in-law to take care of, and she had Alzheimer's. And it was the hardest, but it was the best two years of my life. Mm. But then when it was she passed, I was able to pick it back up and move forward. So it's a lifestyle choice. It's definitely entrepreneurship, mompreneurship. Um, business ownership is a lifestyle choice. Mm. And there are some sacrifices. I mean, last night I was up till 1130 working on projects. But the benefits is when I go somewhere, I'm sitting in the dentist's office, I'm at carpool, I have my sketchboard and I'm working on landscape. I'm not doing the straight lines, but I'm working on the squiggly lines Mm -hmm. and the grass and the overall um, composition. So, Christmas in July, is
0: that an example of this kind of flexibility? So you you do the work for the Christmas projects in the middle of the summer so that you're not working through the holiday season?
1: Yes, and that is something that I learned. That was a learning curve. Mm -hmm. Um, There had been several years that I did not get my Christmas decorations up until like... (laughs) The 22nd.
0: Um, Just in the nick of time. (laughs) Under the wire. (laughs)
1: Exactly. So I, um, it was that learning curve of, no, I I love projects. I love orders. But um, my boundaries are, I really don't take projects after Thanksgiving because Mm -hmm. it really gets busy. And there's other things I need to be doing. And there are a lot of arts and crafts vendor shows that I do during that period as well. So I really only still sell stock images at that point. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about the stock images because I don't think we covered this
0: yet. So, in addition to drawing the custom drawings of homes, you also draw other things. Could you talk a little bit about that?
1: I do. Um, the The right and the ownership people have of their alma mater. of their high school, of their town, is incredible. People love where they've been. So I do have some many, 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 many images of locations in Holly Springs because I live there and have lived there for 21 years, and it's a very growing town. Um, but I've got lots of college sketches. Mm -hmm. They're matted in a plastic sleeve, different sizes, but UNC, Chapel Hill, UNC Greensboro, Duke, NC State, Meredith, and the list goes on and on. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to add at least one a month and when I get a specific request, I have a friend, her daughter just got accepted into Clemson, I did her a Clemson sketch. Mm -hmm. So it it's just a nice memento. It's excitement if a child is graduating high school and they're going to Clemson and it gets them excited. It's mm-hmm. something they're going to stick maybe in a, in a frame. Maybe they'll stick it on the shelf. And when they're adults, they'll open up the bookshelf and say, oh, my gosh, I have the sketch of Clemson. And I went there and I yeah. love my alma mater. So it's a memento of a period in time an era mm-hmm. that people can go back and think about we're, we're very transient people mm-hmm. so capturing that moment um just driving over here today i thought of a, a phrase capture your history mm-hmm. I, I draw your history and i
0: think the fact that you do this by hand adds another personal touch to it sort of filtered through another person's eyes somehow makes it even more special to receive you mm-hmm. know it's um because i do think that what you are offering has more impact than just a photograph and that's not to denigrate photography as an art form but for example, a photograph that I would take on my iPhone, there mm-hmm. what you are offering up is is the acknowledgement of the significance of this place and your and the stories associated with it. And I imagine that when people receive these items, they have all sorts of different kinds of
1: responses. do you have do you have a story that you could share related to that? I do. Um, there are lots and lots of Hands over the mouth. Oh, uh, yeah. Hands over the mouth. Um, Tears, gasps. How did you do this? This can't be real. Mm. Um, It it really is exciting, and that is one of the things that gets my mojo going. Is that emotional response that I have to them seeing my artwork, Mm. because this piece of artwork. It's from my soul, but it's not my complete creation. I'm really a vessel, a tool for them to capture their image. And um, I have some really great stories. Um, Uncle Eddie was a veteran, and every other Sunday he came over to Sunday dinner, and he posted the U.S. flag on the porch, And saluted the flag. So in this one sketch, the woman said, you've got to put a flag on this porch because it brings me back to those Sunday dinners. Often I am working with the memory keeper of the family, whether it be a a son or a daughter. And um, perhaps dad has passed. Mom is in ill health, moving. And it's very hard because these people grew up in this house. Um, One particular family, the dad passed, mom had Alzheimer's, the kids had to sell the house, and the mom kept calling her son her husband's name. She was just stuck in the past. Mm -hmm. So I did the sketch, and he gave it to her for Mother's Day several years ago. And she opened it, and she turned to her son and said, Kenny, this is our house. Mm -hmm. So it brought her back. To this was my house. I lived there with my husband and I had children. So it really was, he he called me actually crying, this grown man. Mm. It was very emotional. Another, we'll talk a little bit about the banners, but I have another fabulous banner story. I was at an event in um, Durham. This giant burly man came up to me graying in the temples and he looked at my sports banners and he pointed out Three Rivers Stadium and he started tearing up and he said I'm gonna he pointed at the banner he said I'm gonna tell you something about this he said I'm gonna buy this he said but I'm gonna tell you a story he said I was a young teen in Philly I was about 12 years old and he said I was on the verge of getting in trouble getting in trouble, getting in trouble. He said, someone at our church saw I was on the verge and got me a job. After the football games, a crew of teenagers swept the stadium. You start at the top and you sweep all the trash and the detritus down to the bottom of the field. And then they have these bulldozers that take all the trash away. And he said he did that for four years. He said he would take the subway home at like two in the morning, but he knew the next day he had to get up and go to school because if he did not have good enough grades, he could not do the job. And then his supervisor at the stadium recommended him for the Naval Academy. This young boy from Philly, recently retired from the Navy, showed me his Navy ring. And he had tears in his eyes. He said, you don't know what this means to me this stadium, this banner. Mm-hmm. So even as we talk, it gives me goosebumps.
0: Yes. It's really cool. That's Those are wonderful stories. Thank you so much for sharing them. I think I took us a little bit off track because we, were talk- we started talking about the arts entrep- entrepreneurship and how you got into that. And then we also started talking about all the great stories related to the homes. So I want to take us back. We'll walk it back a little bit. You wrote, uh, you and I exchanged some emails prior to our interview today, you wrote, with a degree in interior design and architecture, I could sketch but didn't know how to business. My kids went to school and I went to Barnes and Noble to learn how to run a small business. So I'm curious about kind of the pivotal business ideas that led to your success and if you had any missteps along the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> only, only one though, right? <laughs> only Forty million. Yeah, exactly. Forty million.
1: Um, my process was saying yes, and that is something that entrepreneurs will say. You say yes, and you figure it out later. Mm-hmm. So I said yes um, in Holly Springs. At that point, um, there was a networking group and. Met at a coffee shop once a week. A friend of mine dragged me along. I had met in the PTA. And she said, just come. You're starting this business. you got to kind of figure out how to do things. So I went to this networking group. And it really was a group of individual business owners. There was a realtor. There was an attorney. There was several multi-level marketing individuals, insurance people, security. And then there was this artist, Brenda. Mm. So I just kept going back. And in these networking groups, I learned how to present my concept, my product, in what we call a 30-second commercial. And that is a very common business term. It's something that all of the business classes will teach you. If you meet someone in, a, in an elevator, literally you have seven seconds. What can you say to them in those first seven seconds that will make them listen to the remaining 23 seconds? So you get that hook. You figure out what that is. I learned how to introduce myself and make conversations with individuals. I attended different meetings. So once I got comfortable going to networking meetings in Holly Springs, I was like, oh, there's one in Cary. Well, Mm -hmm. she's going there. Oh, I know her. I can kind of hang out with her for a minute and then branch off and introduce myself to others or find something to talk about with others. So then I started going to a networking group in Cary. And then I went to one in Apex. And then I went to one in Chapel Hill. And I found because I was so unique in what I did and I was able to offer these sketches, I found I was getting quite a bit of projects mm. from networking, so I just figured it out. Uh, I took some classes. One in particular was a hundred days to abundance, mm. and it was an in-person class. It was a lot of homework, but. It really taught me those basic business principles. I have a degree in interior design and architecture. I don't have a business degree. Where did you take that class? It was in Raleigh. I believe Bill Davis is teaching this class still to this day. And it's a business class? It is a business class. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. Um, I also attended several free events. Wake Tech offers a lot of non-credit continuing education classes. QuickBooks, marketing, Pinterest, Facebook, all of these tools that you need to run a business. You can do them online. I was actually looking last night. There's one I missed on Etsy that's offered by Wake Tech but it's been recorded and I can go back and watch it. Hmm. So that's on my to-do list. So Brenda, what is your elevator pitch? What would you say? My elevator pitch. When you go back to your hometown, do you drive by your old house to (laughs) see what it looks like, the condition? Yes, absolutely. If you do, I am able to work from your photograph to create a hand drawn sketch to capture those moments in your memory. That you can hang on your wall and look at and remember forever. Brenda Priest, Yordorn Moore, pen and ink illustrations. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> what a great opening hook that was. It is. You create, create an, a, a picture uh-huh. using words.
0: Well, I love that you started with a question. Yes. Because then I couldn't disengage. Right. I couldn't like tune you out and be and think to myself, blah, 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 her business, blah, blah, blah. Like, I had to be with you in that conversation. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I like that. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. I, I use that often. Now, you talked about how when clients see your work and they have this kind of response, you also feel that. Like you get goosebumps or so the hair on your arm stands up, you know what I mean? And, um, and you feel emotional along with them. But based on what you're saying now and – the conversation that we had prior to today, it sounds like you also have a certain um, more objective approach to your product. So, you, in other words, you kind of treat your art like like a widget, like a like a product that you are selling. Yes, and that seems really important.
1: Could you talk about that a little bit? Because I started doing the sketches as a contractor the individual that utilized my sketches it was simply a marketing tool for her for her okay and for the builders it was a pretty picture that they put in a magazine to sell a spec house to sell a subdivision up for plans books for them to flip through it didn't have any emotional attachment to the end user it was a widget mm-hmm. it really was a widget Then when the housing crunch came in 2008, I was racking my brain again trying to how to figure out this this skill into a business. I did a few sketches for people, for friends. Oh, it's my mom's birthday. Oh, it's this something, something, something. So I did a few sketches and I was really blown away at their reaction. And then I just thought I could make this into something. It is very unique. There is a longtime artist in Cary. His name is Jerry Miller. He is the premier pen and ink illustrator on the East Coast. He's also, I would say, in his 80s. He is not able to do the fine detail work pen and ink anymore. Mm. He does have an order fulfillment process. So he supplies a lot of artwork to gift shops and it's stock imagery. It is colleges, universities, um, small towns. He would go up and down the East Coast doing arts and crafts vendor shows. Jerry Miller started Lazy Days in Cary. So he didn't have to travel in August because he lives in Cary. I met him through my former employer and he grabbed my arm and he said, I'm so glad someone's doing this. Mm-hmm. Because this is really important. But he wasn't doing – he wasn't often doing individual homes. He was doing more buildings and structures for towns and iconic landmarks. So I knew what I was doing was very unique. I'm not the only one in the world. If you Google it, if you go on Etsy, you'll find other illustrators. But I feel like this is my growth. Mm -hmm. This is my niche. I've been doing this for 13-plus years now on my own. And there's not a lot of market saturation.
0: Let's talk about the banners. Yeah. You, you also draw stadiums and big like, sports arenas. I'm not a sports person, so I have a hard time talking about what these things are. <laughs> talk a little bit about how, how this contract came to you and how it all has unfolded.
1: So this is my pivotal business concept right here. Okay. And it is yes. Yes. So in January 2011, I literally got a phone call from a company in the Midwest called Winning Streak. And all they do is make sports memorabilia banners. So they do pennants, they do hanging signs, they do all kinds of things. And this is all they do. So they have deep connections with All of the NFL teams, owners, players, managers, that whole microcosm of sports memorabilia. So their competitor came out with a new line of products. And Winning Streak wanted to have something even better. (laughs) So their images were photoshopped. My images were hand-drawn. So they said, we want to create the 12 Cooperstown baseball fields. For you to hand sketch them, we're going to print up a small run and bring them to our trade show and see how it goes. Before we did that, we had to come to term financial terms. Right. Again, this is 2011. I'm not that far into it. They said, we're going to just pay you a flat fee. And I said, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really w- wanted a price per piece but they were not willing to negotiate Hmm. it was a hard no they said we have done this in the past and it's not financially profitable for us and they if you don't take it we'll go to the next person wow (sighs) so i thought long and hard i talked to my husband about it so i figured okay 12 sketches times my flat fee that's good that's a good, consistent price for a mom. I kept, I kept, for a mom, hmm. I say that often, for an artist, yeah. for a business person. It was, it was a good deal. So they did the sketches. Since I've been working for them, I have literally not met these people in person. Every transaction is done email and phone call. Wow, for eight years. Yes. Huh. So they send, they first acquire the license for the particular product. They send me the image I'm sketching from. I do the sketch. I scan it. I upload it to their server. They send it to their manufacturer. They send me a sample. Hmm. And then I order product. And then they're sold all over the world. And they keep coming back to you for more. So it hasn't just been 12 sketches. No, I have 75-plus sketches. So I have sketches for the NFL, So we're talking teams like the Philadelphia Eagles, the Phillies, the Cowboys. So I'm not a sports person. It's hysterical. So he'll call me up and say, "Okay, we're doing Bryant-Denny Stadium. Where is that? And, And I pause and I say, Jay, is that? baseball or is that football (laughs) he's like oh my god brenda yeah you need to get out more no i'm with you i've never heard of that place in my life (laughs) well that that is alabama (laughs) oh okay college wow i've learned a lot i have tried to catch up on the everything so seriously i have not met these people in person ever. ever 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 And how did they, and they found you online then. They, they must did. have done. They did. My husband is a programmer, so I've always had a pretty decent website with good SEO, mm-hmm. search engine optimization. So that's how they found me. Mm. So
0: it sounds like what you're saying is that you made the hard decision to say yes to these 12 sketches, even though they wouldn't negotiate um, anything other than a flat fee. But by saying yes to that, it gave you the opportunity to then do a total of 75 yes. to this point. And, and growing. And growing. And and a business relationship that has lasted for eight years. Correct. Hmm.
1: Yes. There are some times and I, I thought many times, okay, this isn't worth it. I'm not going to do this anymore. But now I have so many of these banners, I sell them at arts and crafts vendor shows. So last year... 2018, I sold 650 banners. Holy smokes. This year, I'm on track to sell 900 plus. There's lots of sports fans There's out there. There's a lot. And that is um, a, a whole direction I never thought this Your Door and More would take, ever. So I love my name, Your Door and More, mm-hmm. because I don't know what the more is. It's evolving. And that is a key business principle is evolve or die, evolve or go out of business, figure out how to move with the tides and move your direction. you know if Coke wants to change a product, how long does that take right Coca-cola right you're you're more um, nimble yes as a, as a solopreneur yes yes. Yeah. yes. I can modify and evolve as necessary mm-hmm. So saying yes to this this business idea was huge. It was huge. So Winning Streak sells them wholesale to whomever would like to buy them. Mm-hmm. So you can buy my my banners on Amazon. You can buy them at Walmart.com. You can buy them at Sportsfan.com. You can buy them at the team shops themselves, mm-hmm. the stadium shops but you'll never see the collection all in one place, except for me. Right. So it is really exciting when I set up my booth for an arts and crafts vendor show. You know, I try to hang as many as I can. It takes a lot of space, it takes a lot of time. <laughs> but just to look around, I'm like, wow, this is cool. Yeah. It's really cool. I want to switch a little bit
0: to talk about something that you are involved in, and that is the Launch Holly Springs program. You, you said you've been in Holly Springs for a couple of decades. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And what, what is this program? Why is it important to you? How do you see it
1: growing? So one of the things that I think is really important is joining and giving back. Launch Holly Springs is a subset of Launch Wake County. And Launch Wake County is sponsored by Wake Tech Center for Entrepreneurship and the local rotaries. It's also sponsored by the town and business owners. So it is a free program of 10 weeks for entrepreneurs with an idea or those with a new business or an existing business that need a pivot. Hmm. The whole concept came from Detroit. So there was a Rotary member that was in Detroit and saw that big businesses don't revitalize a town. It's these small micro-businesses, these mom-and-pop shops, these companies with under 10 employees that are making a difference in revitalizing a town in a city. Mm, That makes sense. Yes. Mm. So this gentleman from Rotary brought this concept to Wake Tech and said they have this program up there and it's working well. So this program is 30 hours of classroom training, five to eight hours of homework every single week, six months of free mentorship, and access to funding. Is it a certain time of the year? Um, So right now, Holly Springs has... Uh, Actually, tomorrow we graduate our second class. So there are anywhere from 15 to 20 students per class. The individuals go through an application process. They go through an interview process. And that really determines if we feel they're qualified for this business accelerator course. We don't take it very lightly. We feel like this is the biggest special gift we will ever give to a business owner mm-hmm. because it's completely free. Oh, wow. That's wonderful. But you have to have the passion for what you're doing and you have to have the level of commitment. You know, you're trying to grow your side hustle. If you work a nine to five or whatever, and you're growing your side hustle. And you start taking this class 10 weeks, three hours a week, five to eight hours of homework every week. That is a lot of intensive work. Mm -hmm. And it's not you just drop off your homework and you walk out. We are forming a community and a collaborative look at your business from the outside. So when you start a business, you're in your own bubble. You see your own ideas. You're in this bubble. But with launch, you have your fellow classmates looking at the outside of your business and giving you ideas and input. And also those basic business principles are brought in market research, market segmentation, budgeting, finances, Um. Strategic plan, business plan, Mm -hmm. all of these really basic fundamental business ideas you still have to follow or your business is going to fail. And it's going to fail and you're going to lose money and you're going to lose your passion. So we try to screen these individuals to make sure they have these qualities.
0: sounds like something that... Would have been wonderful for you to have.
1: And that's right? why, yes, that's why I'm so excited about it. And, yeah. and again, I'm a giver. I just, I give back. It's, it's really important to me. And in all honesty, in 2018, we had our first class started in September and ended in November. And in January, I was so excited. I actually reached out and I got a business coach. Because I needed a refocus. I needed to analyze my data from 2018, figure out what worked, figure out what didn't work, hone, refine some things, and get ready for my busy season. Mm -hmm. So my busy season starts Friday. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which which starts Friday.
0: So we're recording at the end of May. Yes. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yes. So really arts and crafts vendor shows, that is where I sell the bulk of my banners. This program gave me this awesome mojo mm-hmm. and juju to get rolling and to really put myself out there. And that's when I reached out to you. I that's was like, right. yeah, I can do a podcast, sure. Just say yes.
0: So what are you seeing as the greatest need with these these entrepreneurs who are coming through the class? Is there something that they have in
1: common? They have in common. They have passion. Mm-hmm. For whatever that is. So in this class, or we call it a cohort, we have uh, someone that's actually starting a podcast. Mm. We have someone that is starting a small business that does hand-painted signs. We have someone that does vinyl lettering. We have someone that's starting a daycare. They're all really, really different, but it doesn't matter what they're doing. Those basic business principles are still there. They got to learn how to do QuickBooks. They got to figure out their marketing schedule. They got to figure out their startup costs. They've got to figure out their taxes. They got to figure out sales and use tax. All of these things they still have to do. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of resistance
0: to this idea, at least that, that I see the resistance to treat our art as a business yes. and setting aside the time to learn these things that are pivotal to our success like managing our finances and i will raise my hand uh, first here i mean this is something that i really deprioritize in my own life but you got to do it yeah. i mean if you if you want to actually grow what you can share with the community, then you they have to have some of these really important foundational business pieces in place. If you were sitting across the table from an arts entrepreneur, <laughs> for example, yes. <laughs> other than saying yes, which I think is a great piece of advice, is there something that you would offer
1: to her as a suggestion? Absolutely. You have got to take some business classes. <laughs> you do. And there are some at Durham Tech in the small business center. There are organizations that help women in business. There are there is score which is a small business helping organization. I would join a group of artists right here in Durham You have an amazing arts council, Mm -hmm. Durham Arts Council. They offer things for artists. It's not just to show work on the walls. They offer things how to run a business. I would find a mastermind group, and that is a collective of like-minded business individuals that you can share ideas with. I'm in a business mastermind with someone that owns a Ninja Warrior gym. Do we have similarities? You bet we do. Mm. We both own a business. Our business is different. They sure are. But to share those successes, to share those failures, to go on the journey of learning together. So it's not just we get around and we gab. We do that. We do a lot of that. But every month, one of us is teaching something. We are learning along the way. Then we share our successes, our, our struggles for that month. Then we set our goals for the next month. Then we check in mid-mo- mid-month and we get together for lunch. Mm. Then we get together again. We're learning a new topic. We're talking about how we did in our goals last week or last month. So it's having that accountability that is really important. Mm. You've got to figure out multiple revenue streams. And that brings me back to my 100 Days of Abundance class where you need to figure out, I don't just sell the banners, I sell the sketches, I also sell um, the custom work, my stuff is going to be in a gift shop. So those multiple streams of revenue are generating even though I'm not producing a sketch right now at this moment, right. I've got internet web sale, website sales. They're still working in the background. Correct. Even while you're sleeping. Right. Yeah. So figuring out those multiple streams of revenue. Farm out any tasks that you despise doing. If bookkeeping is your downfall, barter with someone. You do something for them, they do your books. I have done a lot of bartering over the years Mm -hmm. because it's a low-cost way to do business. It's not fully sanctioned by the IRS. I know that. (laughs) But But as a temporary measure. As a temporary measure, Mm -hmm. it is a fabulous way. Right. I needed some new pictures done. My friend wanted a sketch of her grandmother's house. She took my pictures. I'm doing a sketch for her. Right. I would pick one charity that is, you're passionate about. If you love to help rescue pit bulls, which I love to do, we have two pretty pitties at home, <laughs> donate to that one charity. Donate to their silent auction. You're going to get, as a business owner, you're going to get lots and lots and lots and lots of reach outs. Can you donate to this? Can you donate to this? Can you donate to this? After a while, you can only donate so much. So I kind of set a budget in mind of how many sketches I'm donating to, um, how many banners I donate to. But if you believe in something strongly, put your passion and energy into that charity and help them. And then talk about it. Mm. Because it's a really great thing to do. Because you're giving back to a charity through your time, talent, and treasure, whatever that may be. I would also ask for help. If you're struggling with something, there's lots of Facebook groups out there that you can talk to individuals because we're not alone. As artists, we're not alone. We tend to isolate. I know I isolate myself. Mm -hmm. I work from home. I don't drive in traffic every day. Right. But you can easily ask for help. I think we
0: can can think that our questions – are only our questions, when in reality, everyone has the same questions. We're all wrestling with the same challenges and, and, and not knowing how to take a step forward. As we are getting close to wrapping up, I just want to make sure, is there anything else you want to talk about that we
1: haven't covered? I recently opened up an Etsy shop. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. Totally new to me. I'm going to take a class. <laughs> it's, you know, once you get it up there, yeah, great. Okay. Now what? Just Wait. Now you got to figure out how to market it, right? So that is that's uh, on my slate of things to work on. Like I said, I have a gift shop in Holly Springs that's going to be opening. It's called Our Moments in Time. It's an artisan gift shop. A dear friend of mine has renovated an old house. Oh, beautiful in Holly Springs. So um, she actually went through the Launch Holly Springs program. So she she's got the community behind her mm-hmm. and her cohort members. In 2019, I have 47 vendor days scheduled. So some are one-day shows, some are two-day shows. So how can people find out where you are and what you're doing? I have a website, yourdoorandmore.com. I've got a Facebook page. Like I said, I have an Etsy page I'm working on. I will be in Durham, actually, at Centerfest was scheduled here last year, but then the hurricane decided to throw that. So I just got notification that I was accepted for this year. So I will be at Centerfest. I have a corner booth. I'm really excited. I have not done a show in Durham in a really long time. So just spreading, trying different shows, um, staying with some shows that are tried and true, but pushing myself in lots of new directions. Um, This year, I also entered my sketches into some art shows, Mm -hmm. which was totally out of my comfort zone because I am not a classically trained artist, but I still submitted. And the one show was at the coast and I sketched the Moorhead City train station. The Moorhead Downtown Association bought the rights to my sketch. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Congratulations. So now my sketch is a part of their history. So they have events there, and they sell postcards, and they sell prints. I also entered into the Durham 150 Years Mm -hmm. show. It was weird to see my work up there next to these abstract paintings, and here I am. My lines are so straight and precise Mm -hmm. and black and white. But it was a good thing to do because it pushed me out of my comfort zone. And as an artist, as a human being, I need that because it helps me grow. Right. I will include links
0: in the show notes so people can connect with you. And I want to thank you so much for being here and for sharing all of your wisdom and also being very inspirational. So thank you so much, Brenda. Thank you. Hey, friends. I want to tell you about Shadowbox Studio, where this episode was recorded. Shadowbox Studio is Durham's flexible, rentable art and activity space. Shadowbox is perfect for video and photo shoots, recording podcasts like this one, and holding movie screenings, classes, spy club meetings, or whatever else you can dream up. Find out more at shadowboxstudio.org. And here's a secret. If you tell them you heard it on Artist Soapbox, you'll get a $25 discount on your first rental. Isn't that awesome?